0: Good morning everyone. Welcome to Hope and Anchor. Uh, here we are back again in a place we never really wanted to be again in uh, quarantine. But uh, the, the Rona has come to visit our family and um, my wife has tested positive. Uh, I've been tested uh, but my results are not back yet. But I just have to assume that I too am positive. So um, I just wanted to uh, spend some time here uh, uh opening God's Word and spending time with you. There are people who are gathering at um, our Hope and Anchor um, church building this morning, but um, as luck would have it, I have all the cameras here at my house. So uh, anyway, I wanted to make sure that everyone who is not able to gather physically in worship uh, at Hope and Anchor is still able to gather uh, virtually and kind of join together in turning our hearts toward the Lord and uh, really uh, centering our attention in this Advent season as we prepare for the arrival of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, uh, That being said, I'd like to start this morning with our uh, Advent readings uh, and this will be kind of our gathering prayer for today. So if you'll join me. Oh God, we light the fourth candle of, of Advent today. We hear your angel Gabriel and we witness the faith of Mary. Fill us with your grace and light We recall the times we have struggled, but said yes anyway. We know times when God has filled us and our world with blessing. We remember times of great joy when, although it may have been in struggle, God has filled us with hope, love, and peace. Mary was a young, strong, and faithful woman. Even though her life was not easy, she heard God's voice and she said yes. Her song was a prayer that would uplift those who were downtrodden. Her lyrics shattered the proud and called the world to change. She would bear within her the promised child, Jesus, the light of the world. This Advent, we respond to God's beckoning to us all as well. Shine on us, O God of justice. Guide our path through gloom of night. Bear within us wisdom's glory. Come to us, O Christ, the light. Revealing God, visit us and fill us with your Spirit. Bring your good news to life within us. Give us courage to carry your light into the injustices and the shadows of this world. Amen. All right, well, throughout Advent, uh, different people from church on the leadership team have been uh, uh, teaching on different aspects of the Christmas story, as we find in Scripture. And today was my opportunity to talk about the wise men from the East And so I did some study and I really enjoyed putting together uh, this message. As you know, there's a kind of a unique occurrence happening uh, this week. In fact, tomorrow, uh, Monday, the 21st of December, uh, Jupiter and Saturn will be converging uh, in a closer way than they've uh, done in 400 or 800 years, depending on the source that you uh, uh, listen to. But uh, really not in any of our lifetimes have Jupiter and Saturn been this close. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see um, them come that close together and an opportunity to go outside and um, check out what's going on. So um, so today I want to talk about the wise men from the east. The sky over New Mexico, has anyone here ever been to New Mexico? Oh, I see that hand, thank you. Yeah, You then know how amazing New Mexico is. Uh, the sunsets, the stars, the clouds—just everything about the desert, the high desert—is spectacular. Shortly after Christy and I were married in 1994, uh, we moved to southern New Mexico to live in what was called what's called the Tularosa Basin, which is situated between two mountain ranges: the Sacramento Mountains and the Oregon Mountains. As a brand new aerospace physiology technician in the United States Air Force, I had been stationed at Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo to basically help train pilots um, how not to die when they were flying airplanes very high and very fast. My wife and I, we loved everything about living in the high desert and in the mountains. The quality of light due to the clear atmosphere Uh, Those magical desert hues, it was just stunning. I was an an amateur photographer at the time, in fact I was strongly considering finishing my undergraduate degree in photography, but uh, I spent all kinds of time with cameras in my hands. I was surrounded by good light, always on the lookout for good light. Uh, A magical desert light that would fall on things and make them just really extraordinary. Especially what's called during the magic hour, that one hour after sunset, or before sunset, and one hour after sunrise. It's called the magic hour. During that hour, the magic hour, New Mexico would really come alive and have this otherworldly orange and golden glow. The marvels, however, did not end at sunset. The desert sky at night was also spectacular, so dark and deep. With its clear atmosphere, with no light pollution, and this seemingly endless depth of stars. Now those of us who have long lived in cities are are somewhat disoriented and startled to see the number and vastness of stars in the nighttime desert sky. If you've ever been to the southwest and been driving at night and just pulled over and stepped out and looked up, it's almost disorienting how deep the night sky is. Because we, what we're seeing, without the light pollution from the city and from uh, human-made structures, it reveals um, uh, the the full splendor of God's creation that's always above us, but oftentimes obscured. Not it's oftentimes diminished by our electric, our electric lights. I recall one time Christy and I were driving north through the desert from Alamogordo. I I don't remember exactly where we were headed, I think we were going to Albuquerque, or maybe up to Colorado, but either way, it was late, the sky was clear, and there was a full moon um, high in the sky. You could see off to the right, you could see the mountains outlined against the sky. Um, But then suddenly up ahead, a bright light streaked across the sky from west to east. It was a brilliant light that illuminated the desert. It illuminated the interior of our car. It descended and then it extinguished just above the horizon. And I remember Christy and I both, we sat there, we saw it and we we just were amazed. Like what was that? We were struck by its radiance. We talked about it for a few moments and then we drove on. Several minutes later, the road hum and the monotony of the nighttime desert highway took over again, and the thoughts of that shooting star began to fade. But then suddenly, I noticed something arrayed across the sky where that meteorite had traveled. It was a silver, moonlit trail in the high atmosphere. Never before had I seen a meteorite Leave a, a visible scar in the sky. That line of, of ethereal fumes, whether it was smoke or, or just condensation, it lingered in the sky and it was glowing in the atmosphere until we had passed uh, underneath it, until it had uh, passed slowly over our car and began fading into the distance behind us. That was a remarkable experience and something I'd never seen before and frankly something I've never seen since. I'm thankful that my wife and I were there to witness that occurrence. The sky has always fascinated us. It's long been an object of curiosity and wonder. You know, before the advent of artificial lights and things like GPS, global positioning systems, the sky held more than just fascination for mankind. The sky was was essential for the marking of time. the the measuring of seasons, and just the basic uh, navigational guidance that we needed to cross the seas. Millennia of humans have watched and studied and recorded the movements of heavenly bodies to determine the calendars and even to predict future events. Thus, this is why uh, kings in antiquity they often employed wise men, or astrologers. Now in this era of time that we read in the first century, there was no distinction between astronomers and astrologers. Perhaps you know the difference. An astronomer works with telescopes. An astrologer works with horoscopes, right? You know the difference? okay? But in this time, this, this pre-enlightenment time, whatever, first century, there was no distinction between the work of an astronomer and an astrologer. Because there was no, no perceived separation between the natural and the supernatural. There was this deep connection in all creation. There was a, 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 a vibrant correspondence between the earth and the sky. So that events in the heavens signaled events taking place on the earth and vice versa. Thus, these wise men... Employed by the kings, they monitored the sky. And their job was to keep the rulers and the kings abreast of events and happenings, of good fortunes, of omens, and of threats. So the king of Persia at this time was no exception. He employed many wise men, and these wise men were called Magi or Magi. And their job was to watch the stars. Their job was to watch the stars and to, to notice planetary activity and stay on top of those trends and events reflected therein. Now, at this time, the dominant religion in Persia at the time of Christ's birth was called Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism, it was a monotheistic, dualistic religion founded in the 6th century BC by an Iranian prophet named Zoroaster. Zoroaster. So, more than likely, the Magi, the wise men we read about in Matthew chapter 2, were Zoroastrians. So, why am I bringing this up? Well, I think it's important to notice. The wise men that came to bring Jesus gifts, that came to worship the King of the Jews, they were not Jews. They were not Jewish. They were not Christians. They were pagans. They were pagans from a very different culture from a very different religion, and they were only distantly familiar with Israel as a nation, and only vaguely aware of what was happening in Palestine. Suffice it to say, they were certainly not part of God's chosen people at the time. They were not part of uh, uh, those called out from slavery in Egypt. that God called to Himself through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the story of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2 shows us something of God's heart, and this is what I don't want us to miss today. When we read this story, we are surprised, we catch a glimpse of God's heart, and we are surprised by something unexpected and ultimately very, very reassuring. In the Magi coming to worship Jesus, we discover that the good news of Jesus Christ, It's for everybody, it's for all people, it's for Jews and Gentiles, it's for those who are close and those who are far away. It's not just for insiders, but it's for outsiders too. It is for all who will come. And that is good news. Let's look in our Bibles at Matthew chapter 2. This morning let's read Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem, and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. That story never gets old, does it? I love the story of all the things happening at Christmas, at the culmination of our Advent waiting for Christ to come, and then uh, all the the unusual and surprising things that God does, and the way that all creation rejoices with the coming of our newborn King. Now, if you're like me, there's a risk here. If you're like me, uh, you too risk hearing the Christmas story that we find in the bible in a certain kind of dreamy, firelit, christmas eve kind of tones, those t- those christmas tones of childhood and of family traditions. As a result, we can miss out on some of these important themes, these things revealed in this story. We can miss out on all the ways that God's salvation plan is with Jesus breaking into our world and surprising everybody invading the deep murkiness of our fallenness, and turning everything inside out. Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, had come as the, light of the, uh, as the light of the world. He had come as a light, piercing the darkness. Long lay the world indeed, in sin and error pining. We were all hoping, and watching, and waiting for the Son of Righteousness to come to bring the dawn and to rise with healing in His wings. It's important to notice and it's important to hold on to. Jesus didn't come just to be Israel's deliverer. Jesus didn't come only to fulfill Jewish hopes. Now sure, it began with Father Abraham. It began with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but uh, it spread out from there. God desired to call Israel to Himself so that they would become a city on a hill, a light to the world. From the outset, God's ultimate desire is to heal all the nations. One of the commentaries I was looking at to prepare this message is called the InterVarsity Press New Testament Commentary. It captures this this truth uh, in this way, a microcosm of Matthew's Gospel as a whole, this passage we read in Matthew 2, 1-12 reminds us that we must preach the gospel to all people because we cannot always predict who will hear the message and who will not. Those we least expect to honor Jesus may worship Him, and those we least expect to oppose Him may seek His death. Although the Bible forbade divination, which includes astrology, for one special event in history, the God who rules the heavens chose to reveal himself where the pagans were looking. Without considering or without condoning astrology, Matthew's narrative challenges our, challenges our prejudice against outsiders to our faith. Even the most pagan of pagans may respond to Jesus if given the opportunity. What a resounding call for the church today to, pus- to pursue a culturally sensitive, yet uncompromising commitment to missions. Jesus is for all who will receive Him, and God may provide Jesus' servants with allies in unexpected places, if we have the wisdom to recognize them." I love it. So this Advent, as we prepare to welcome Christ at Christmas. May we welcome also the gospel imperatives we find in this story. There are two key lessons we can learn here in the story of the Magi, in the story of the wise men. Number one, God is full of surprises. God is full of surprises. Number two, He uses His people to help others discover His salvation. So number one, God is full of surprises. Into the very story of God sending a Savior to His chosen people, Israel, He invites the outsiders in to play an important role in that story. God invites the outsiders in, and in doing so, He sends a compelling signal to the world. Just as He sent the star as a signal to the wise men who were watching the sky, in this story God is sending a surprising signal to the world that the outsiders, can become insiders. Those who are far away can come close. What's what's interesting here and timely, by aligning Jupiter and Saturn, God wrote a powerful sentence in the sky, the King of the Jews is born. In first century Persia, did you know that the planet Jupiter, which was visible in the sky just like it is for us now? It represented to them the king planet. Jupiter was the king planet. But did you know this? Saturn to the Persians represented Israel. It represented the Jews in the Persian mind. So, to see Jupiter and Saturn converging together like they will tomorrow... If this was the case, if there wasn't some other magical or star in the east, if it was indeed a convergence of Jupiter and Saturn, I think it's pretty interesting to think that to the Persians who were watching the sky, the wise men, the magi, the astrologers, when they saw Jupiter and Saturn converging, to them it was writing a powerful sentence in the sky that says, The King of the Jews is born. Jupiter and Saturn, the King and the Jews, the King of the Jews is born. I think that blows my mind, and it might just blow your mind as well. This would explain why, upon seeing the star in the east, they knew that something of majesty was happening in Israel. And that's why they came seeking the king of the Jews that was born. It is this king that the magi were seeking to worship. It was this king to whom they brought their gifts. And I believe that the star was their signal. But more than that, this tells me that in this story, just like in all throughout redemptive history, God is full of surprises. So the second key lesson after God is full of surprises is God uses His people to help others discover His salvation. So yes, it's important to realize that the star drew the wise men from Persia to Bethleh- or to um, uh, Jerusalem to uh, uh, seek the king of the Jews. But they didn't find him there. They went to see King Herod, but that's not where Jesus was. Being led actually to Bethlehem required more than just signs in the sky. It required more than just uh, general revelation in nature. Okay. Upon arriving in Jerusalem, the Magi required God's people to tell them the prophecy. The star got them to Jerusalem, but then God's people in Jerusalem were the ones who were able to tell them of the prophecy that then directed them toward where Jesus was in Bethlehem. People familiar with God's story were essential in pointing the wise men, pointing the wise men toward Bethlehem. The University Press New Testament Commentary captures it this way: Even supernatural guidance like the star can take the astrologers only so far. For more specific direction, they must ask the leaders in Jerusalem where the king is to be born. That is, their celestial revelation was only partial. They must finally submit to God's revelation in the Scriptures. So the star in the sky served as, as kind of this general revelation, the way that God has revealed Himself in nature, in our conscience, in creation. Uh, but when it came down to actually finding Jesus, actually worshiping the King, they required special revelation, that which God has revealed to us in His Word, whether it is in Scripture, whether it's in Jesus, or whether it's through His Holy Spirit. They required scripture and special revelation to actually find themselves next to Jesus, worshiping Him. So this Advent season, you and me, we are necessary. We play an important, critical role in the full telling of Christmas, in the complete telling of the Christmas story, in the full sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we never know who God is drawing to Himself. We never know what signs He is putting in the sky, what signals He is putting in full view uh, that's drawing people in. Whether He's doing it in the sky, whether He's doing it in relationships, or just plain circumstances. God is about drawing people to Himself. The good news is good for everybody. And so God is drawing people to Himself, so we must pay attention. When they come, with they be they family, uh, friends, coworkers, strangers? When they come, when God brings them to us so that they can hear of that special revelation, that they can hear of the good news of Jesus Christ, will we be able to help them find Jesus? Will we direct them toward Bethlehem? Will we help them find our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And then, will we join with them in worshiping our newborn King? Merry Christmas everyone. I hope you have a great time with family and friends as you are able in this weird and terrible time. Uh, We'll get through it together, but at the heart of it, may we all come close to Jesus to worship Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for um, the joy, the hope, the wonder, the mystery we find there. God, in this story of the wise men that You you, uh, were so excited about the sending of Jesus, that you hung a star in the sky that would catch the attention of Persian astrologers, that they would see written like a banner in the heavens, the King of the Jews is born, and that something inside of them would stir, and that they would be motivated to to load up and to head toward Jerusalem, and then to be directed toward Bethlehem, and then find themselves uh, near you, worshipping, bringing their gifts. And I pray that we would do the same, and I pray that we would be attentive. Knowing the good news, being part of the redeemed people of God, I pray that you would give us a heart that desires to see the nations healed. That all who would come in, that they would find Jesus and that they would worship Him as well. God, give us a heart that um, uh, beats in time with the good news. God, may we uh, understand, uh, take this glimpse of your heart that we've seen and uh, allow your Holy Spirit to make that our heart as well. God, you've been doing amazing things in the world. God, there is a correspondence between what's happening on earth and what's happening in the heavens. God, your desire through Christ is to bring those things together. So God, may you be glorified in that. May we grow. May we uh, uh, become more and more obedient to the call you've placed in our life. God, it is a high privilege. It's a high calling to belong to you through faith in Jesus. So, God, I pray that uh, you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand all that that means, especially, specifically during this Christmas time. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, to finish up, we will close with our Advent prayers. As we await the miracle of Bethlehem, Let us offer our prayers in hope to the Lord, in hope to the Lord who comes, that we may accept the Father's invitation to live in Christ, just as Mary accepted God's call to be the mother of the Messiah, we pray to the Lord. That we may respond in loving concern to those in need, as did Elizabeth in her care of Mary, we pray to the Lord. That our joy may be to serve the Lord by serving one another, we pray to the Lord. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Jesus the Messiah revealed to us the love of the Father, and so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father of light, you have filled your promise, You have fulfilled your promise of old. The virgin has given birth to your son, Emmanuel. As he shared our life in the world, may we share his life in your kingdom to come. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel. Amen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.